Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, December 22nd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope, along with columnist Vahe Gregorian. So many topics. We discuss the playoff race, the likely return of Nicole Hardman, Harrison Bucker's kicking woes, and all who are trying to help him out, the Pro Bowl selections, and more. The show started as a Sports Beat Live broadcast. Let's jump right into it. Hey, good morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best. Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell are here to talk Chiefs with you. Send us your questions and comments, and we will um, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. So, good morning. Gentlemen, and I hope everybody is staying warm. I looked this up before the show. It is colder right now in Kansas City than it is in Siberia. So, um, uh, so which is to say, it's a bit. It's six. It's six degrees in Siberia right now in the capital of Siberia. So, um, that's how cold it is here in Kansas City. Um, I hope uh, Jesse. I see that you did not make the drive over to uh, Kansas City this morning. Well, yeah, Zoom calls with the Chiefs. So there you have yeah. it. Yep. Chiefs are Zooming today. They've Even they've called off their um, uh, their scheduled uh, – it would have been a, just a meeting with uh, Andy Reid and then open locker room today. So that's not going to happen for the Chiefs. So, um, guys, send us your questions and comments first, and, and let's talk Chiefs. But um, – we got we got a lot to unpack here today. Let's start with a little bit of news last night, Herbie. Tell us uh, tell us who made the Pro Bowl for the Chiefs, uh, seven in all. Yeah, seven in all. A couple of repeat players, and of course, uh, players who made their first Pro Bowl, including uh, you have Joe Tooney, uh, Senator Creed Humphrey, and as well as Tommy Townsend. I'm sure Dustin Colquitt appreciates that, that Tommy Townsend made the Pro Bowl. But then you had Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and Orlando Brown. Brown makes his third straight, or excuse me, yeah, his first straight Pro Bowl, second straight with the Chiefs. Baltimore as well. So, yeah, seven players. Uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting time for the Pro Bowl, you know, as, as most people know. Well, they're transitioning from added game to a flag football event. Oh, the Chiefs have their way. They, they won't be there anyway. The February the twelfth. Uh, looks like I am having some. Yeah, Herbie, you're, you're cutting in and out a little bit. It's a little bit of that base internet uh, issue. So, um, I'll just real quick. I'll, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Chris Jones, Tommy Townsend. I think we got that part. Um, anybody who um, should have made it that didn't, Jesse, what do you think? Is there a, Did any uh, any obvious chief get left off this list? Only it's tough because the offensive line gets so much representation, but I think Trey Smith is probably the best one out of the rest of the bunch. You know, if you look at some of his ESPN metrics on there he's been really really good this year and the times he hasn't been good he was dealing with that injury where he's playing through it just like uh, so many of those guys in professional sports do to be there for their teammates but I saw he made ESPN's top seven snubs on there so I would probably put him above anybody else but it's sort of hard to argue or complain I mean the Chiefs had seven I think that was second only to the Eagles when it came to 
uh, second most Pro Bowl guys out there. But when you're 11 and three, kind of the victors go to the spoils. And the Chiefs had a lot of had a lot of success this year. And obviously, a lot of those guys you look on that list and are deserving. So maybe Trey Smith would be the one that kind of pops to mind for me. But other than that, uh, I don't think I see anybody on there that's a really obvious pick. Orlando Brown Jr., interesting pick. I, I, Pro Football Focus would not agree with his selection of, uh, of, of, of the Pro Bowl roster. I think he's somewhere mid-pack when it comes to, to tackles in their estimation. So um, how about any, any case to be made for Legereus Sneed? Is it, what, what about his season uh, up to date? Is he, uh, has he had a Pro Bowl type of season? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, for Legereus, because I think when you think of these corners, you think of who can cover. You know what I mean? And that's not really his strength. He's had a really, really good season, as you mentioned, Blair. So I think you could definitely make a case for like a flex utility defender sort of spot. But like that's not really how the Pro Bowl works, if that makes any sense. So I think you make a good point. He, he has had a great year for the Chiefs. He's had one of the top years of the defense uh, and has helped them out for the success that they've had. It's just sort of a square peg, round hole sort of thing. And um, if you are going to put him on there, it sort of has to be in the nuanced part of this game where it's it's run stopping, it's the blitzing, it's his versatility, all those sorts of things. So very valuable for the Chiefs defense. Sometimes that doesn't always show up in these sorts of award type things. And as Herbie said earlier, the, the Pro Bowl has been reduced to a flag football, seven on seven flag football game in a skills competition. I'm not sure I'm going to be tuning into that. Um, I, I know Herbie and Jesse have to, uh, but I'm, I am, not, I don't, I don't know. That's, um, I, I, hell, I never liked the game in the first place, but now, oh my gosh, a flag foot. It'll be curious to see how it does ratings wise. It makes me think of those old. What were the competitions in the '70s, Blair? The, the superstars. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. then, laughs> just, just wacky, uh, wacky races. <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw a clip of uh, of a race in which Wayne, Wayne Wayne Gretzky beat Sugar Ray Leonard in a hundred in a, like a forty yard dash. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it does not seem like must see uh, must see TV. Seems like a must cover event for somebody to go to in person, though. The the crazy one for my generation here is you know you can go back and see like the quarterback competitions they used to have at the Pro Bowl and they have like from 2000 or whatever. So Tom Brady's doing it, you know, like Tom Brady's still performing in the NFL. And it's like, he's with like Cordell Stewart and Drew Bledsoe and like all these guys that are, you know, you know, not sniffing playing. It's like, holy crap, this guy's still in the NFL throwing football. It's, it's pretty amazing to go back to YouTube and check that one. That's great when you get, it's like uh, the, the songs I grew up on being classic music now. Um, not classical, not quite that, but classic. <laughs> Oh man! All right, let's uh, let's not put this off any longer because Joe has asked about it. Uh, Chris Cluey had an interesting breakdown on Bucker's kick, kicking mechanics. Apparently, generates power from his hip drive versus leg speed, and that's tougher to do with age, injuries. Interesting point. Um, all right, Vahe, I know you were uh, that, that was your column out of the locker room this week, uh, one of them. So let's let's uh, break it down and uh, uh, first of all we'll, we'll acknowledge it is a problem for Harrison Butker this year to miss a field goal and an extra point force that game uh, in, against the the one win Texans into overtime where the chief made a great defensive play and 
and Jarek McKinnon scored the game winner. So it's, it, you can't, you just can't easily dismiss the problems that Harrison Butker is having this season. He's already missed more extra, combined extra points and field goals than he has in any one season this year. So um, what did he say about it? And how did, how did he handle it in the locker room when he was crowded by reporters? Well, it's interesting. I mean, he, you know, I'd, I'd be interested if you guys disagree, but I mean, those guys don't have to come out and be at their locker, obviously. I mean, they, I think actually by rule, they're supposed to be available X amount of times, but, he first first chance we had to talk to him, he was he came out to his locker and uh, surely anticipated talking to us. One of the things that was interesting, and Jesse was right there too, um, so I wonder what Jesse thinks about this. I thought he he was pretty gracious and at ease, but he, he certainly wasn't um, quite taking us inside, right? I mean, in a couple different ways. Uh, one thing I asked him um, about how much uh, the injury is still a factor. And he, he couldn't have uh, worked around it any better than he did. I mean, and even the follow-up about if it's affected his rhythm, he just said, I've, I've got to make the kick. So I, I think it's reasonable to suggest that that injury is still with him and it's part of his whole season. I also think uh, when you have that, look, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty amazing on their own analytics, right? Obviously they're, they see this pretty comprehensively, but when you have that, no matter what, there's, there's an effect on, on technique and, and things like that too subtle for me to know, at least, you know, at the eyes, at the, at the, um, you know, the face value, but um, I, I, think it's it's there's something in his head at this point and especially I think you can see that when he's got you've got plenty of range and you're missing so I, I know the elephant in the room is the uh the Tommy Townsend uh the holds Dustin Colquitt it was interesting that Dave Tobe really wanted to make a point yesterday uh, special teams coordinator when he came out I think he tried to make a point right away by by uh, congratulating Tommy Townsend on being the special teams player of the week first. It was his first point. Um, but he 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 more or less said what what I think the Chiefs have been thinking, which is, you know, yeah, we, we love Dustin, but we don't need Dustin to tell us what's going on here. Um, Dustin is more free to say what's going on than I think anybody like Harrison Butker is not going to say Tommy's holds are no good. Right. Um, Chiefs aren't going to say that. They're going to say it's a it's you know a three man three man weave that they've got to get get right the whole operation. So uh, long winded, I, I, you know the old the old over caffeinated answer, Blair. But I I feel like um, yes, there continues to be a problem. I don't think we should feel like the Chiefs aren't working on this, but I think that there's you know, not able to, to say everything because they don't want to get everybody's uh, dander up. Yeah, I think they want it to go away, uh, it, at least the public part of it, right? They just want it to, it to disappear and let it, let it be handled in-house. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I look at Harrison Bucker's been such a good kicker uh, throughout his Chiefs career, and I look at the example of the Seattle kicker. Is it, is it Myers? Is that his name? I can't, I can't remember. We, we don't see the Seahawks much. So um, he hit 75% of his field goals last year, which is about what Butker's doing now, right? Is he at 76%? Uh, 
And uh, and the Seattle kicker now is has made 21 in a row. He's 26 to 27 on the year. He's missed one extra point. It, it, it just happens. And so it, it leads me to believe that, you know, that those who know kicking and talk about kicking are right when they say, you know, kickers do go through slumps. Andy Reid, right, said it the other day, like a hitter. Um, anybody who's stood in the batter's box knows that, you know, sometimes the ball looks like a, uh, you know, a, a beach ball and sometimes it looks like a pea, you know, coming at you. So it's just, just going through something that's uh, the, that the Chiefs really need to get fixed because, this is a franchise that knows what it's like to lose a playoff game because of kicking. And, uh, um, and so uh, there is, um, you know, there is a, a, a real need to get this, this part fixed. I want to just ask Jesse, you know, his feelings about um, how he, how he, what he saw Harrison saying and, and uh, um, his takeaway too, since, since we were kind of in the scrum together. Yeah, Harrison's really good uh, at talking about the technical details, at talking to us about those sorts of things, explaining them. It was funny you mentioned talking, asking about being hurt by, there was a point earlier this year where at the podium, Dave Tobe told the media members that he had told Harrison to stop talking about his injury because nobody <laughs> wants to hear about his injury. You know what I mean? And so if you ask him the question and he danced around the injury, he's doing exactly what Dave Tobe told him to do. And I think this goes back to our main point here, which is, listen, we're we're reporters. We want these guys to talk to us. We would love to get answers. We love when they explain it to us. And I think uh, there's part of the information flow there that really helps because we can help communicate it to fans and people that are out there. But I, I think you're right with this. The Chiefs have a certain level here where they don't want this out. You know, they don't when, – when Dave Tope says, hey, I don't need Harris or Dustin Colquitt to tell me what's happening with the holds, what he's saying is – I'm a special teams coordinator. I've been one for 20 years. Dustin Colquitt's right. I don't need him to tell me that. I don't need that to be out there. Because what you're talking about, Vahi, is true. They, they want to fix this in-house. They don't want this to be public. They don't want this to be headlines. They want Tommy Townsend to take it seriously. And they want, you know, Harrison Bucker to make his field goals, whether the laces are in or out. So this needs to be fixed. I think it will be fixed because I can guarantee you 31 other teams beat writers right now are not talking about where the laces are uh, any given week. And normally we're not talking about where the laces are, but you understand all parties of off here. Dustin Colquitt, he's super good friends with Harrison Butker. He's standing up for his boy because he see those laces and he took a lot of pride in getting those laces forward. You see, they're not perfect. He knows, hey, this is partly Harrison's fault, but it's partly probably not because these laces are in a weird spot. Harrison Butker's trying to say, hey, I just need to make these kicks, but he's stopping short of saying that these holds are perfect because they're not perfect. You know what I mean? Uh, Dave Tobe and Andy Reid are sticking up for their player. They always stick up for their players because that's what you do as an NFL head coach and NFL teams, NFL special teams coordinator. So you can understand why every party is is handling this the way that they are. But the bottom line is what you wrote in your column, Bobby. This is not a public thing. This needs to be a private thing. I mean, they can say whatever they want publicly. All the Chiefs fans care about is that this thing gets worked out and Tommy Townsend's holds are better. Harrison Bucker's kicks are better. I thought Joe made an interesting point. I need to go check out that Cluey thing because – I've talked with Sam McDowell about this. It seems to me that um, if you're a kicker, I've always kind of reminded of golf. Like if you have a 30 yarder, you think you could pull out the nine iron, you know, you could kind of just get out there and clip it up and, you know, kind of go up and do, it seems like Harrison doesn't have it. He has a three wood, like his thing (laughs) always comes like this at you. And that's one of his greatest strengths. He's great on kickoff. He's great on those long field goals, that sort of thing. 
But I, I've always kind of wondered, like on some there of these you know. shows, some of these extra points, why there isn't a nine iron? Why there isn't one that just kind of scoops underneath and goes up? So that hip versus leg thing might play into that, that, that if you're generating all your power from your hip, and if you watch him during these field goals, like he kind of gets his body in front of it and then drives through rather than, again, kind of just taking a nice swing at it. Again, I'm not a kicking coach, but it has fascinated me how Harrison has kicked these things and how he seems to have one gear, and that's this gear that kind of shoots the ball almost right through the net. Blair, Blair, I'm not a doctor or a special teams coordinator, but it was just less than a month ago. Well, we're actually approaching four weeks exactly on the day. November the 23rd, Dave Tobe came out and said, I don't think Harrison's going to be 100% healthy the rest of the year. And we got to remember, it's his plant foot. It's his plant ankle that's that was injured. Right. And the way they describe that ankle injury, you know, I remember back in when he first heard it, I asked specifically to Andy Reid, is this a high ankle injury? Because he, he had missed so much time. And of course, Andy Reid punted on that. But the description of it, you know, from Dave Tobe saying the blood went all the way up his leg and, you know, his foot was so swollen. He dealt with a significant ankle injury. Uh, I'm not a doctor. You know, none of us are. If they say he's healthy, he's healthy. But he dealt with something serious there. Blair, you made a good point, too. It's funny how we judge kickers because think about if your only job was to make free throws and your whole season you got 30 free throws, like one a game to shoot, <laughs> but you had to go make it. Like, you know, I think I could be like a 90% free throw shooter, and in one season I could go 22 of 30 or 23 of 30. I mean, that could happen. But, again, kickers, they're in the get-it-right business. they got to make the feels they have. It just – I think what you're talking about with the vario the, the the variance of this can be very high. That's where maybe you're talking about Jason Myers with the Seahawks. Right. One year it's not as good. One year it's better. This can happen in field goal kicking too. This can happen in PA ticking PAT kicking where you can train all you want to, but you got one shot or two shots or three shots, and you better make the most of them. And again, Harrison has not done that uh, at every point this season. Blair, by by going to Pete Maravich's high school, um, <laughs> that make you a, a pretty good free throw shooter. It actually does not, um, believe it or not. That was, uh, you know, for for a yeah for a slow guard, that was uh, <laughs> should have been a strength, but wasn't. Uh, Bahe, you picked the second most famous basketball player from Blair's high school. Can you? I know. That? Well, the, the, the thing is, one's a predecessor, one's an ancestor, or <laughs> Devonte. Right. Devonte Graham. That's exactly right. So. Um, Hey, uh, all right. So, well, at least Harrison's going to have uh, improved conditions on Saturday in which to kick, right? Um, single, at least single-digit, though, wind chill and probably the wind whipping like it usually does when it's that cold at Arrowhead, making it oh so comfortable for everyone, especially the kickers. So um, before we, I do want to talk about uh, the, the, the potential for, um, you know, cold weather football and what that might mean, but uh, Herbie, there's a chance of Chiefs getting the front liner back on on Saturday. We haven't seen McCole Hardman in a while. What's uh, what are the prospects of him playing on Saturday? Well, he, you know, he returned to practice last week, and the Chiefs aren't required to say what his participation level is. And I've been trying to get out of Eric Bieniemy how he's looked in practice in two straight weeks, but Bieniemy hasn't really said anything. The good news is Andy Reid said on Tuesday there's a good chance that Hardman is back in the lineup against the Seahawks. Uh, and he's missed five games now. 
So it, it would be good to get him back in the fold. They also might have Blake Bell back, the, their tight end, who landed on injured reserve before the start of the season, or excuse me, right at the start of the season after he underwent hip surgery in August. And he will be huge because Jody Fortson is probably not playing this week with an elbow injury. Okay. Uh, Jody Fortson out. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, a, that's a crushing blow. Um, what about these Seattle Seahawks? Um, it's the one team remaining on the Chiefs' schedule that, is, that doesn't have a losing record. Seahawks are 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, They started out hot as, uh, hot as fire, uh, has, have cooled off a bit here in recent weeks. The big, um, uh, the big trade that sent Russell Wilson to the Broncos certainly hasn't worked for, for Denver. Geno Smith, however, has worked for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I know you broke down the game a little bit, Herbie. What, um, uh, what have the Seahawks done well this year? <laughs> DK Metcalf. <laughs> it's a good place to start. Yeah, he's approaching his second career 1,000-yard season. Of course, the Chiefs are probably not going to deal with former Kansas State star. Continue the tears. Uh, Continue the tears. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Who recently underwent hand surgery uh, on Monday, so he's not looking like he'll practice or excuse me, he'll play this week. But DK Metcalf, what a beast! Six hundred, six four, two hundred thirty-six pounds. I remember I asked Steve Spagnola yesterday because the Chiefs have faced big physical wide receivers this year in Mike Williams and Mike Evans, uh, but nothing like Metcalf, six four, two thirty-six. And I love Spags's response. You know, he says. I, I'm paraphrasing here. I go on the internet every now and then, pull up photos of these guys bringing team <laughs> meetings, and he found the shirtless photo of DK Metcalf, and his response was, quote, good God, I mean, what a stud, end quote. <laughs> He's right. He is a stud. You got to be careful with this guy because he runs a 4.33 40-yard dash. He averages 13.9 yards per catch on his career, so he's a handful, and these Chiefs young cornerbacks are going to have to figure out a way to stop DK Metcalf. Not just young cornerbacks. It's going to be communication. Um, they're going to double him. I'm sorry. That's just going to happen. They're going to be doubling him, but you need the cornerbacks and the safeties to work hand in hand to be able to do that sort of thing. We can talk about one of the Chiefs' struggles defensively this year. That's been going against number one receivers. Think about the big games that happened against the Chiefs this year. Stephon Diggs, huge game. Devontae Adams, huge game. Jamar Chase, Huge game. It's time for the Chiefs to step up and stop one of these number one receivers. And you mentioned a player, Geno Smith, is having a great year. He's a great story to be able to come out. And the way he's processing the field and finding his guys, it's better with Lockett, obviously, because he is a talented player uh, from Kansas State, not going to be in there this week. But I think that means the Chiefs are going to throw a lot of attention to DK Metcalf. So it is going to be a challenge for them to be able to do that. They need that communication on the back end to be able to execute their assignment and make sure that uh, they get him covered up this weekend. And yet, Jesse, you like the Chiefs big in this game. I do. Um, so the thing that's held the Chiefs back to me is that these weird things that keep happening against them. Um, we talk about the two fumbles last week. That cost them 11 expected points. You look at some of the advanced measures out there. Uh, last week, the Texans got a nine-point advantage in officiating. They got a five-point advantage in special <laughs> teams. The thing is, how did the Chiefs keep winning these games when I say all those points are going against them? They have an amazing quarterback, amazing offense, and they just, wherever they get the football, you feel like they're going to march down and score a touchdown. So uh, they have the offense to blow teams out. It's just been these weird little fluky things that, that don't seem that are very maintainable week to week that keep happening and popping up. So I think the, the glass is half full on this for the Chiefs is that, you know, 
we can say, hey, they didn't look good and they barely won these games. But when these when you lose nine points to officiating and five points to special teams and 11 points and one point to turnovers and still win the football game, that means something is going very right for you. And right now, uh, the offense is going very right. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, a historic performance last week, uh, highest completion percentage among an NFL quarterback, at least 40 attempts ever to have it ever happen and have it happen after a week when he threw three interceptions, watched the film, realized he didn't take enough checkdowns and decided this week I'm going to do that. I mean, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's amazing. Like this Chiefs offense is amazing too. I don't think the uh, the cold is going to slow him down. I think blowout potential is there. It's it's up to the Chiefs and avoiding those two or three plays that really have sidelined them or or hamstrung them here the last few weeks. So you don't think the cold's going to make it make a difference in this game? I, I I can't help but think that most of the cold weather games. I mean, bitter cold. Not not you know we need a heavy coat, but. We need a heavy coat and something covering our face. You know, those types of games, <clears throat> excuse me, um, have have held scoring down. But um, but but you don't think that's going to be the case on, on Saturday? Well, I think what you look more at is wind. And it, a good example is the Saints-Browns game that's coming up. Um, if you look at the wind in that one, it's supposed to be 30 to 35 miles an hour constant uh, blowing in the stadium. And that over-under total is, yeah, 32 and a half, which is the lowest in an NFL mm-hmm. game at this point in the last 12 years. So that's really the difference between, I know the offenses, you know, Cleveland and the Saints don't have good offenses as Seattle and Kansas City, but you're talking about a 32 and a half over under compared to a 49 over under. Uh, that's partly Patrick Mahomes and Geno Smith, but a lot of that is like the, the wind at kickoff for the Chiefs is supposed to be around nine miles an hour. That's something that they deal with. That's something that's kind of normal for these games. So the football is going to be hard. I know Harrison Bucker talked about the PSI in the football, you know, the, going to be maybe more returns and the ball doesn't fly as far but as far as the passing in goes i'm not as concerned because at least as of right now the forecast is not for there to be a bunch of gusts across the field that takes that football that you throw and takes it a different direction honestly i i consider it one of the mysteries of the universe how how uh seamlessly we often see nfl receivers catch the ball when their hands should feel like bricks i really i i i'm amazed I'm, obviously they've got the gloves i don't know what else they do that that makes it that that ball doesn't just bounce off their hands. Um, and it's always interesting to me, Patrick, uh, obviously he can put a touch on it, but he does tend to throw the ball hard. Um, and I, I, I don't know if there's any science to what we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, per degree that goes up or down, but I, I, I'll be interested to watch that. And I know Jesse, you spoke with some players about that. I don't know if you spoke with receivers about it, I did, uh, yeah, I didn't get over to receiver, but, you know, James Winchester is great in the locker room too, but he spoke like about get the extra hand warmers. He's like, you don't, uh, you don't let them out in the elements and they have, unless they have to be there. So even if you're running onto the field for a field goal attempt, keep them in the pouch next to the heater and those sorts of things. But it's fascinating. Ask Patrick Mahomes and he said, he's just going to have his neck warmer. That's the other thing we have to keep in mind here, guys. Um, I was thinking back in time, how many cold weather games has Patrick Mahomes played and, and those, he's played pretty well. I mean, I remember those snow games where it's coming down. They had like the famous clip of him on the sideline talking to teammates about, I love these snow games. It feels like everything. I'm a snow game guy. I'm a snow yeah. game guy. I mean, this one might not have snow, but it does feel like, you know, for a Texas kid, uh, he plays pretty well in these sorts of conditions. So I think that's not something we should overlook either. His first playoff game against the Colts. Remember the snow <clears throat> fell that day. Um I don't remember other big snow games that he played in. I I can recall some very very cold uh, games at Arrowhead. I 
there was a Titans regular season game once where the, the, the Chiefs lost on um, on, a, on a last second field goal, uh, but scored it was in the teens. I think it was one degree at kickoff. I, that Steelers um, playoff game was pretty oh, cold. bitter cold. And so was the AFC title game against the Patriots. Uh, yeah, Mah- yeah. Mahomes' first AFC title game. And he was really, really, really good in that game too. He was, especially after after halftime. And Herbie, you've probably seen more football games in person than all of us. Uh, do you have a you have a uh, a cold weather game that stands out to you? Yeah, Buffalo, which is why I'm really hoping the Chiefs earned the number one seed. I remember in Buffalo, we got stuck in the press box after the game because of a blizzard, and they they didn't have the parking lots cleared out, so we got stuck. Uh, this of course was when I covered the Saints, but it, it, we were up there in, in December, and a blizzard kept us in the press box for hours upon hours until the snow plows could get in there and free us up. Yeah, we don't want to go to Buffalo in January, folks. So, cheese clinch that number one seed, please. I know Vahe doesn't want to go back to Indianapolis in January. I know that uh, that, that <laughs> I, I recognize the smile on his face while you were telling that story, Herbie. <laughs> the polar, <laughs> the polar vortex uh, kept Adam Teicher and I there, where we were fo- too foolish to get out on Saturday night. Oh, we'll just have our flight delayed a little bit on Sunday, and next thing you know, we're clearing tables at Waffle House so we can eat eat something. It was. Uh, like 72 hours uh, unable to even get out of our parking lot. And <laughs> it was terrible. And, and remember, Vahe, we all offered y'all. We, we said, hey, Vahe, Adam, you can ride with us because we all I got know. this. Should have gone. But my, my defense is I had pulled an all-nighter to get there from the Cotton Bowl, and I just wasn't ready to get in a car. But hindsight, 2020. Uh, always a classic uh, story here. All right, guys. Um Great stuff. Thank you so much. And we're just a couple of days before Christmas. Uh, we're in the middle of Hanukkah. Kwanzaa starts on Monday. Happy holidays to everyone out there. And we'll see you after the game on Saturday. That will do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to producer George Howard, who did the double duty of running the live stream and putting together the podcast. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell. Morning Sports Edition was 41 pages today. See why I say it is the best digital sports page in the nation. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day, and let this be the first of many wishes for a happy holiday season. Take care. Bye.